Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Paige. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the hit Netflix show, The Haunting of Bly Manor. This week we're covering episode 8, titled The Romance of Certain Old Clothes. This was an interesting title, but I yeah. guess it comes from the story, right? Yeah. Um, it was the origin on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of her, all of Viola's dresses and jewelry and fine things. <laughs> yes. Linens and satins yeah. and silks and jewels. Yeah. This one um, actually, I guess, was taken from one of the, the stories from Henry James. Um, but this one, I'm guessing what I'm being told is, is it's um, the most by the book departure from the turn of the screw. Um, this little standalone black and white episode that we got, uh-huh. which of course, as we know, explains the origins of the lady of the lake. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess the story is fairly similar, but there are some differences, but I think that that's where they kind of play with, with some of the differences there. So that was, that's where the title of that one comes from. Cool. Um, so this one was definitely kind of in a different episode than what we've had, uh, from the first seven so far. So do you have just general thoughts? We don't have to go into it too deep, but did, did you like it? Did you not like it? I, I really Both. did. I, I did. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. Um, I wasn't sure because it was one of those. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to pick up right where we left off with mm-hmm. with Danny. And then it sh- you know goes back to the storyteller telling this story. And at first I was trying to decide. I was like, okay, are we just going to like go back and forth between like our quote unquote current time, you know, in the 80s? Or, mm-hmm. you know, are we going to go back and forth between the story and current time? And then once I realized like, oh, this entire episode is just going to be in the 1600s and it's black and white. Like at first I wasn't sure about that, but then I got really sucked into it and really enjoyed it. And I was kind of like, okay, really like only I'm because I love this episode that uh, enough that I'm not going to be that mad that they seriously got away with sticking us with the same cliffhanger two weeks. In oh. a row. We're just going <laughs> to let no it happen. Kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Yeah. We're doing it to you again. Not once, but twice mm-hmm. or maybe three times. Cause we yeah. saw, I mean, we were left with that in the last episode and then they started this episode with that and then ended on it again. Yeah. It's like, really? Okay, we get it. <laughs> we get fucked. it. Thanks. <laughs> She's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> say, say your farewells to Danny now is how I, how I'm feeling after getting that whole you know, explanation of, you know, um, the origin here of Lady of the Lake. Well, that's interesting. Um, Honestly, I have mixed feelings um, about this one. And I mean, it may not be very popular. I don't know. Um, I I, I think we had some, I tried not to read too hard into our feedback to see what our listeners thought, because I I like to be surprised when I read it. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll be interested to see what what they think. And I kind of saw some mixed things online too. So um, so I don't know. I mean, I think there were some good things, um, and that were interesting. And then there were some things that just kind of fell a little flat for me. It's not that I hated it or anything, you yeah. know, I'm not hating on the episode or anything. I just wasn't quite sure, um, it was what I wanted. So we're actually going to do just to kind of let our listeners know what we're going to do. We, we, um, you guys listen to us and you know that we typically do, um, a top five every week for 
the episodes and typically TV shows in general, we're always doing like a top five. Um, And then for movies and stuff, we typically leave it to discussions. But this week, um, you know, Peg and I talked about it after watching the episode and we kind of realized that because this is like just a, a very straightforward, singular story from beginning to end that we're going to go ahead and just have a general discussion. Uh, yeah. We're going to have talking points and we're going to talk about it, but we kind of found it a little bit difficult to kind of, you know, pull apart five individual or five things um, from this episode in particular. So we're just going to have a discussion about it. It's going to be an organic kind of discussion and we'll have talking points and stuff, but just to prepare everyone to kind of expect something, you know, kind of like this episode of Bly Manor itself that was yeah. kind of different standalone. This episode of Strange Indeed is going to be a little bit of a standalone as well to kind of follow suit a little, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have it. We're not going to um, start with the top five or anything like that. But um, Peg, is there a certain part of the episode that you want to get started with? Is there something that you're, you're excited that you want to talk about or a particular talking point? Um, not really. I mean, I think... You know, to try to avoid it just being like a recap of the episode, because that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily what people enjoy. But I do Mm -hmm. feel like there is no better place to start than the beginning and just kind of see like the world that we're thrown into this, you know, the past and this story and what's going on. And I love that. Yeah. Kate Siegel finally here. Like, yeah, knew she was playing a role this season. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a pretty good idea. I figured this is what it was going to be, was we were going to get a backstory on the Lady of the Lake, and it was going to be her. And so I'm glad that that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling. Um, I, I feel like they they were really trying to kind of keep it secret for as long as possible that she was going to be in, in there. And you kept, you know, as each episode passes and you're, you know, you're getting to episode seven, you're like, well, holy crap, you know, what's going on? And once you realize that, Lady of the Lake seems to be someone they're kind of focusing on. You can kind of feel like that's probably who she is. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fairly easy to figure out. Yeah. And I, think for us. <laughs> I first mentioned, yeah, in the, I don't remember what episode exactly it was now, but when Flora is doing the, the grave marking the, you know. Uh, oh yeah. The grave, the grave rubbings. rubbings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That the one that she was rubbing in the chapel was Viola Lloyd. And I was like, that's going to come back that's going to be important. I thought, I think that may even be the name of the lady in the lake. So yeah, I kind of put some of these pieces together, but it was cool to actually see it play out and get the actual story of everything. Yeah. It was, it was interesting to kind of see the, uh, you know, a little bit of that history of, of blind manor and where they start out with, you know, the two sisters, we meet Viola and I'm, I thought we had seen, um, Perdita, uh, Perdita's, um, name as well. I think her name was also in the chapel. Okay. I thought we had seen that, but maybe I, not. Yeah, I don't remember it, but could have been. Um, so we get to meet these two sisters and, you know, realizing that they're, you know, they only have their father. And because of what it was like in those days, you know, women couldn't really own anything. Yeah. You know, without, you know, everything was, was owned and managed by men and, so knowing that that they were on their own and they seemed pretty smart and realizing that they needed to marry, you know, ended up contacting this cousin and kind of interesting to, I'm curious, did you have thoughts about why exactly um, Viola decided to not be there? I mean, I, I don't, I think they tried to explain it, but I don't know yeah. that I was totally satisfied with that answer, why she left it to um, Perdita when the cousin shows up, I do you feel think like, she was 
Viola was one of those people who was kind of like Peter, like Peter Quint is, like very mm-hmm. like power hungry, but like I don't know, hers was in a little different way, but like she had to be the one in charge. She had yeah. to be the one that had the final say on stuff. And so I think that's just her being dramatic is, you know, they kind of mentioned that when she shows up late because uh, she was taking care of her father's business and it was all said, mm-hmm. the story was true is what the storyteller says. She really was going off and like taking care of her father's business and actually running things. But it was also theater as she knew that like this was her way of showing Arthur, like I'm the one in charge. I'm the one that actually knows what I'm doing. So you want to marry me because that way we can run this together and you have me to actually help you through everything. And we're going to run this business and we're going to be, you know, the Lord and lady of the manor. So like, yeah, you, you could have part of, you know, give you some time to see my sister, but then the main event's going to show up and this is what you really want. You're right. I can, I can definitely see that. She's like, you, you think you've got it good with my sister, but wait until you meet me, right? <laughs> she was all like, yeah, dramatic with the hat and the flowing dress and the servants and just like, you know, I've arrived. <laughs> yeah, she she definitely knows how to make, make an entrance. So, you know, I, I think that she, you know, definitely that was kind of her intent a little bit there. But I guess they ended up falling in love. Yeah. You know, they ended up having, it wasn't just, you know, strictly business. And, and I love, I I thought it was funny during the wedding when, you know, she refused to say obey in the (laughs) the wedding mess. (laughs) Paint her as very like powerful and like self-reliant and yeah, she, she knew herself. She's going to be the lady, she's going to be the lady of the manor, not the lady of the manor, but the lady of the manor. She is in charge. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I giggled a little bit when she, you know, omitted that. I thought I did the same. I wasn't, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm, I'm with you sister, you know, we're not doing that obey stuff. Yeah. Um, that's antiquated. Toss that out. But for those days, it was kind of a thing. You know, it was yeah. the women were supposed to obey their husbands. Like I said, the women weren't allowed to, you know, make the financial decisions or household decisions or manage or own anything yeah, um, without her husband's name. That's why they had to make that like arrangement of necessity and business of marrying this cousin is right to keep the manor in their family so they don't lose it. Right. Well, and I guess that was the whole intent of calling out this, uh, you know, distant cousin as well was to also keep it in the family. It was someone they felt they could probably trust and, you know, keeping it in the family that no matter what happened, it would still like stay in the family. Yes. um, In some way, because it was very important to them for, for, you know, Bly to always be uh, within their family. Um. And I was kind of curious as what their, I mean, I know it doesn't really matter, but I was really kind of curious what their names really were. I know that they used Willoughby, you know, as the narrator, as she's telling the story was, you know, you know, yeah. like, we'll just call them that. And I'm like, well, it's fine. I guess we don't, it, we don't have to know. Maybe we don't know. We it just know the weird. story. Yeah. Cause she's yeah. like, well, we'll call it Willoughby. But then whenever it pans through the chapel, when Perdita is marrying Arthur and you see the, the grave markings, you see Viola Lloyd's. You do see, I forget the the first name, but you do see their father's name, Willoughby, in the marking there. Mm-hmm. So and maybe that really was it or they just like, it was a placeholder. Because I don't remember seeing that one when Flora was in there. So I don't know if it was different or. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. And it may not even matter. I was just yeah. kind of curious. It was like maybe they were, they were just putting a name out there so we have a name to attach to it and we have something to call them, you know, this family or whatever. So, uh, you know, small detail and not probably a huge point, but just something yeah. that I kind of wondered um, because maybe because it was so far back in the 1600s, nobody knows the history, but, you know, that far. Um, yeah. So kind of kind of interesting or just something I was kind of curious about mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I am wondering now, though, because – that gives me like this whole like oops, theory <laughs> tangent time with give me my red yarn now because uh, we've we've wondered this whole time if Jamie is the storyteller, mm-hmm. and so like you said, I mean if the Willoughby's is the name given to it have they died out and Arthur and Isabel left, and the house ended up being used as like a quarantine zone, and then so like that history is gone unless maybe this is Jamie's family history and that's why she knows it. Ooh, there's an interesting little point. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I didn't until just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. No, <laughs> you're welcome for getting you there. Um, yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Because I, th- I thought of that. I was like, well, what happened to, we don't find it. And again, maybe it's not important. Maybe this is just the story, the part of the story that we need to know, or that's important to know, you know, for whatever reason, but you know, what did happen, um, to, to them once they left, what happened to Isabel, you know, she grew up and got married and, you know, what happened to her, her, her children and her family. That's, you know, part of the story as well. And maybe it doesn't matter because they're not on blind anymore, but still makes you kind of wonder Mm -hmm. what happened to them. Spinoff, um, <laughs> another another new haunting season for you. Yeah. Season three of the haunting after Bly Manor. Right. After, <laughs> what happened after. to Isabel and do the whole thing as a period piece? That could be interesting. It could be interesting. You never know. Um, well, and I think that's kind of part of what, you know, was, was hard for me. It wasn't so much that it was a, a period piece, but, you know, I couldn't help but just a little bit feeling a little disconnected uh from these characters and yeah you know and i i think part of it was because the narrator had the most lines mm-hmm. you know i've i've kind of had sort of mixed feelings about the narrator throughout i'm kind of like i, I don't I, I wasn't quite sure where i landed like do i like having her in there do i not and this episode it just felt like it puts up this wall between us and these characters so it was hard for me you know, to find myself caring about them as I have like the other characters, like, you know, we love Owen, we love Hannah, we care about Danny, we felt bad for her. And we, you know, we were rooting for her and Jamie's relationship. And, you know, even though, you know, Peter is a piece of crap, you know, you felt even for him in that moment, you know, um, in that one episode as he's going through the things, you know, he is with his mom and he keeps repeating that memory over and over again and learning about what happened to him. Even during that time, you, you have like, oh man, you know, Mm -hmm. so, but these two, I just had a really hard time, you know, kind of connecting with and I, you know, maybe that's why I struggled with, you know, loving the episode as much, but I don't know. It just, Maybe that's not the goal, but I feel like most of the characters we are supposed to kind of care about at the end of the day, you know, that's kind of think where we landed at Hill House, too, is, you know, at the end of the day, you ended up caring about everyone and, you know, at some point or another felt for them and empathized with them. And um, and I'm definitely kind of there with with Bly Manor, too, but just not these two. I I ended up caring a lot more about the characters towards the end, but I think it comes through the lens of viewing this episode as like a Shakespearean tragedy. 
mm-hmm. where it's because of Viola's, you know, because you want to feel bad for, you know, she's sick and she's losing her husband and her daughter. Yeah. But then also, like, she's been seeing this connection between her sister and her husband, and it drives her to be awful to her sister, which is then the reason that she dies. And then because of the way she treated her sister, then it's the way that she dies and the way she tr- is spent in, you know, her afterlife. That it, it is. It's like nobody wins in this. It's like, like I said, that Shakespearean tragedy where it's like, mm-hmm. you want to feel bad for everybody, but at the same time, because of their own actions, like they've put themselves in the position they're in. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. It was interesting to see how, you know, we, we get these connections because even though you feel like, you know, when this episode starts, if, if, and if you were already there and you already knew that, then kudos for you. But, you know, um, I think by the beginning of this episode, you know, we kind of realized one of those women is the lady in the, uh, you know, lady of the lake. And, and then, but, and I realized pretty quickly within a few minutes of the show that it was definitely Viola because, um, Perdita, she, her hair Mm -hmm. was very distinctive. And as soon as I, as soon as I kind of just really got a good couple looks at her, I realized she was the ghost in the attic. Yes. Yeah, the hair did it for me. Because she stays up there in the attic laying behind, you know, not the chest is in the lake now, but in that area where that chest was at that back corner. Yeah. Well, it was even though she didn't have a face when when we see when Peter holds her up in that in the previous episode and Mm kind of dangles her and kind of mocks her like, is this how you want to turn out to be? And just kind of tosses her aside carelessly. Yeah. I was like, that's her, that hair. Yeah. It's the exact same, exact mm-hmm. same hair. Uh, the, the dress, I, I couldn't pinpoint, but the hair was no doubt for me. Yeah. And, so and then it was interesting. Color. Yeah, it's- exactly. And it was interesting to see how she ended up there. Um, so it was, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did feel really bad. I mean, gosh, you know, Viola was in her illness, not a nice person. And I feel like for the most part, before she got ill, she was nice. You know, she was caring to her sister. She was sweet yeah. to her sister. You know, I mean, they was... looked out for each other. But she kind of definitely, um, she she was, I think, knew the game. And she definitely yeah. stayed in control. I think she liked just being in control of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And her sister, it seemed, was okay with that. I think they kind of, the narrator mentions that during the wedding vows, like, you know, the sister, the younger sister was fine with her role in the whole thing. Like she knew that she's the second sister and, you know, Viola's the one that kind of, you know, is the boss of everything. And she's okay with that. Um, or at least at that point she was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it was, it was a little difficult for me. Um, but I do, I do feel bad for her because it, it couldn't have been easy. And man, having to isolate her to that room it just it brought so many you know kind of like what we're going through today with 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 the pandemic and stuff and having to kind of quarantine and you know everyone kind of in their own way struggles a little bit with that and you know how it starts to really you know you feel isolated and if you've had to go through that and how you know even if you're not having to quarantine because you're ill but just because people are staying home and it really messes with you yeah, you know, really messes with you, messes with your mental health if you don't have, you know, friends that you can reach out to virtually or talk on the phone or, you know, how, however you're able to, you know, do that. Thank, thankfully, we have good technology nowadays. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it really messes with Viola 
because she's not able to see her child. She's got yeah. a little baby. Her Isabel was a baby. Yeah, her yeah, her daughter grew up only knowing her mother is the sick lady that just stays in the other room that I can't go near. Yeah. And which was kind of curious because they were like, well, think of Isabel. You can't be in the same room. You can't sleep with Isabel, you know, and she can't come see you. So she's literally, she can't even from a distance see her daughter. But why do Perdita and and her husband get to see her? They're in the I was, same room with her. Yeah, I was wondering about that because they don't name what it is. The, you know, the, the plague doctor says she has the lung. Mm-hmm. And I did some research trying to figure that out and I couldn't land on anything specific. But I'm I mean, pretty by, sure all, it's by all symptoms, it's, yeah, tuberculosis. Yeah. And when she starts coughing up blood. That was what yeah. I came to, yeah. And that's very highly contagious whenever you're symptomatic. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm thinking, yeah, Perdita and Arthur being in the room as much as they were with her, it's like, well, why aren't they getting sick too? Like, I get they quarantining her from the daughter, but like they shouldn't be spending as much time with her as they are either. Right. At least not wearing their masks. Mm-hmm. Wear a mask. But yeah, so th- they were very often in there with her without any type of face coverings and exposed to her, I feel, quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it really starts to to kind of mess with you when you're isolated. And, you know, I know her sister, you know, Perdita did try to care for her and I, st- I think still be, um, you know, caring towards her. And Viola was, I think, resentful, you know, at her illness, resentful at being kept away from her daughter um, and suspicious of what was going on without her around, you know, of of some type of relationship. Because she's seen something before she started getting sick. She saw little hints of, you know, which whether it was there or whether she was just being, you know, a little, um, you know, not, not quite panicking, but just, you know, she's kind of jumping to conclusions or making assumptions, whether there was something there or not, that seed had been planted with her. Uh, so yeah. yeah. And then living in isolation and not knowing what's going on. Um, you can yeah. see where it really messed with her, but yeah, so I don't just eat away at her. Cause she's just forced to sit there with it. And so those mm-hmm. times that she does have her sister there with her, she literally lashes out at her. Yeah. And I, I, you know, part of the, I don't think she had, you know, she was trying to be helpful, but at the same time, to tell your your sister as she's sick and dying that you know, to tell oh yeah but but when he looks at me that way it's just because he's a man and he's lonely so don't worry about it like mm, <laughs> I can see that being like Bitch, that's not that's not what you like, tell, tell me don't you? <laughs> that's that's yeah not what you say don't admit that he's looking at you yeah. um but I mean I don't know maybe it is easier just to say that like yeah, yeah. but nothing's gonna happen and nothing has happened and it's fine and it's normal because people are human. And, you know, if that's all that's involved, well, then I guess it's harmless um, yeah. because I feel like maybe even lying to to Viola, she would see right through it anyway. I feel she was pretty sharp. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe it was the best thing to go ahead and, <laughs> and admit that. I don't know. But, man, Viola was really pretty wicked to her sister. And even when her sister, you know, when they're giving her the last rites and her sister, you know, takes her side and she's like, you know, that's right. Don't give in, you know, mm-hmm. don't, you know, this is how God made you. So he should know. Um, and, and you don't have to go. And yeah, I did I, love that scene a lot. I did too. Yeah, last right. I did too. You're supposed to repeat the rights. No, <laughs> I will not I, go. Tell that God that you fawn over that. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I, I loved that. I see the, 
like I said, it wasn't like the whole thing was a negative. I really did. It yeah. was very mixed for me. There were some, you know, I thought some great lines and some great scenes and things that I really liked. And that was definitely one of them was her line to the to the vicar. And she's like, no, because I feel like, you know, she's, she was not ready to pass. She was not yeah. ready to accept that this was going to be her fate. You know, she didn't want to die. She wanted to be around him. You know, I, you know, I, I like that her sister took up for her. And I, I like also when the doctor was, you know, taking a look at her and diagnosing her and he's like, you know, th- there's just nothing that can be done. And she's like, well, you will cure her. Yeah. You know, you will do something and you will cure her. You know, she was fighting, fighting for her. And I don't, I don't know that Viola saw that so much. I know she saw that when she was giving her last rites and that seemed to please her. Yeah. You know, she had that little smile on her face. Like, you know, yeah, you, we, we know each other. You're my sister and, you know, you know, we're bonded and, you know, regardless of what else is going on, we have each other and, and she, she understands her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really good scene. Um, so but it, 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 you develop, yeah. Like the sympathy for Perdita mm-hmm. where, you know, they have that bond, but then yeah, eventually it, it gets worn away and, and pushed at and where, you know, she keeps getting slapped and hit and, like you can't you you don't want to fully blame Viola for this. I mean, yeah, this, this is a terrible situation she's in and having to watch all this go down. So you can see this resentment and hate and you know, just darkness building in her, but it's almost understandable in the position she's in. Yeah. But I like that you know, Perdita finally just at that moment where she has that moment where she can kill her and like I liked the way that the storyteller, you know, said it toward, you know, the word that she focused on was mercy. But that was a lie that she told herself. (laughs) Because really what was going on through her mind in that moment was all the time she had been yelled at and hit and demeaned to where really the word was enough. Enough. Mm -hmm. I I liked that. I mean, I didn't like that she killed her sister, but I was like, oh, that was... That was interesting yeah. how they kind of twisted that a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, Perdita kills her sister, and I don't know how. I mean, she was that was like five plus years. That I don't know. Yeah, you know people think... typically <laughs> don't live that long with a, a, a TB diagnosis. Yeah, that first you know? plague doctor gave her like months, mm-hmm. and then it was like six years almost, and. I, I thought it was really funny. Yeah, the old school, like outdated medical practices. They went through all of it. You know, he comes in with like the incense and the leeches and the bloodletting and oh all of gosh. these like things. Barbaric. <laughs> yeah. Barbaric. These these horrible barbaric treatments that they're putting her through. You know, trying to somehow cure her. Um, yeah, she went through all of it, and it looks like they finally just kind of gave up because she was just like, "No, nope, I'm just not dying today." Yeah, which was um, another. I liked a lot of those like kind of phrasings and where yeah her story almost became like legendary just within its own right mm-hmm. it's you know it's like you know the people of Bly you, you know would say that death would show up for Viola nightly this carriage drawn by a horse with red eyes would show up at the gate but it was never allowed in and finally it just gave up <laughs> and stopped showing up <laughs> just kept on going We're not- finally death was eventually like okay i get it you're not coming <laughs> fine have it fine. your way <laughs> not not knocking on your door anymore yeah i thought i thought that was fine i was like and i was kind of a little bit going like yeah you go you tell, <laughs> tell death to fuck off you yeah. know not not today it is not yeah. happening so yeah I, I i kind of admired that strength of will yeah. a little bit even though that's it that ends up what causes like 
this whole thing to kind of collapse around her and is kind of her undoing. And also anyone else who happens to die, it's their undoing as well. Yeah, it's that strong of a will that even after she was dead and realized and came to terms that she was dead, she still decided, well, I'm not going anywhere. And that energy just took over the entire property in that manner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you still, I, I still couldn't help, but for, even though she was terrible during her illness, you know, she was spiteful to her husband, she was mean to her sister, and, you know, like I said, she kept abusing her even when she was trying to take care of her, you know, she would slap her and, and be so cruel. You couldn't, or at least I couldn't help but feel for her um, after she had died. Yeah. And she wakes up, and she's, you know, kind of repeating this, you know, as we keep seeing, you know, um, as we've seen Peter and as we've seen Hannah, they kind of keep getting trapped in like these dreams. Yeah. Dream hers, hopping. Hers was the room that she had spent the past six years just locked and suffering mm-hmm. in. So even though she wasn't suffering anymore, that was all her mind really had grown to know. So her dream you know, hopping, they didn't really have much hopping around. It was not much hopping. She was, she was away just in a in loop. That room. And that's where she stayed. Right. Where she slept, she woke and she walked. Mm-hmm. And so she, we, she comes to realize that she's pretty much trapped in the trunk yeah. that she kind of tied herself to. I thought it was interesting that little ritual that she performs when she was putting her clothes in the trunk and she kind of creates that this shroud around the clothes and she, yeah. she sprinkles the rose petals and she, I feel was essentially kind of tying her soul to that trunk mm-hmm. and its contents. And it's a little witchery, little, yeah, little witchcraft happening. I feel like there, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying that's exactly what it was, but that's what it kind of reminded me of is she was binding herself uh, to this, even though she was, even though she told Arthur, she's like, you know, I'm done with this. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to let those things go. And I want them to be, you know, for Isabel as an inheritance later, she's, still bound herself to those things yeah um, which was heartbreaking to kind of watch watch her you know constantly repeating where she would wake up and she'd go to the door and it was locked and go to the window and it's walled up and she'd go to the wardrobe and and when she finally realized where she was and then when she finally admitted you know oh i'm dead and my family's moved on that is like this purgatory that she's like created for herself is almost more like a hell. It just, Mm -hmm. it sounds like hell. Um, And then she's patiently waiting, you know, and and repeating this. Turn it into like a positive thing almost where once Mm -hmm. she realized she was like, well, I can take this idea of it being a hell and I'm trapped here for eternity, or I will sit here and I will wait until that, that moment where my daughter opens this trunk and gets these things and I honestly feel if that would have been able to take place, if Perdita would not have opened the uh-huh. the trunk and kind of released Viola's rage and, you know, uh, vengeance. Honestly, I think if Isabel would have grown up, opened it on her own when she turned 18 or whatever, this curse would have been gone. I think then Viola would have been okay with passing on to the next plane of whatever. And none of, none of this would have happened to Bly Manor. 
I'm curious how it would have turned out had, I mean, maybe we wouldn't be talking about it like we are now, you know? <laughs> but, um, you know, how, how the story would have unfolded had it been Isabel as, you know, an older girl or of, of age, maybe when she's getting married, I feel like that would have been a good time. Yeah. People got married at very young ages at that time. That would have been an appropriate time as she's getting married and kind of has a, um, a dowry and thing, you know, things of her own. Mm-hmm. And to to finally get the keys to that trunk and and you know so when she finally admits this and she's ready and she's waiting and she's remember it keeps showing her holding a different dress like every day and I'm yeah. sure it was more than a day that passed but you know she keeps keeps showing her holding a different dress um, and then uh, she's just waiting for her daughter waiting for that time for her daughter to be of age she doesn't know how much time's passing on the other side or anything like that but um, she's waiting and waiting and then all of a sudden when because she's like. Well, it has to be Isabel. That's who she is expecting. That's yeah. the only person that should have the keys is, is Isabel. And that betrayal that she feels mm-hmm. when it's her sister, you know, she, I think, has to know her sister has killed her at this yeah. point. I mean, I don't know that. I know she was, didn't even realize she was dead at first. And then once she finally admitted that she was dead, um, I don't know fully if she, knows for sure that it was her sister but she knows that her sister somehow betrayed her because she has the key uh, to the trunk and holy hell (laughs) did we get a jump scare that was great (laughs) that was a great jump scare it was that was great that was great there so the 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 visual so they they kind of chop it into pieces a little bit um where you know when um, Perdita lifts up the dress and all of a sudden just boom <laughs> the arms yeah. come out of that dress and chokes the life out of her or well at that moment just choking her but then when we get to that point when it's Viola from her point of view yeah. she sees her come through the door opening the, the lid of the trunk and she grabs her and then it goes back to the attic and you see Viola kind of half in half out of the trunk and she's in the dress and then she stands up. Oh, cool. (gasps) Wasn't that like the coolest badass thing (laughs) ever? Yeah. Where she's like, this is my trunk. This is my stuff and you don't belong here. And she totally just turned it right back on her sister. And I don't think she gave a shit at all in that moment. That was badass. I did like that scene. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad for, for Perdita, but, you know, <laughs> I yeah, feel like, you know. Like she purposely went against Viola's wishes that she had given to Arthur and went mm-hmm. behind Arthur's back to do it, which, again, her in that place where you can be sympathetic and understand with her, too, is, I mean, the manner, their financials and everything, it's going to ruin. They're going to lose the house if they don't do something. And as the new like lady of the manor this is her she's trying to make that decision even for you know behind her husband's back of like we're gonna have to like sell off all of her clothes and stuff or we won't have a house and we won't have a place for isabel to be when she gets this stuff yeah is that stuff even gonna matter Mm -hmm. you know if if they don't have a home or a place for isabel to settle or for her to inherit one day yeah yeah, I don't know. I was really torn in that moment when she's like, well, if Viola knew how dire the circumstances were going to be, she would be okay with this. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if she would or not. She was pretty dead set on yeah. on her having those things no matter what. She didn't say, 
you know, she didn't specifically say, and don't ever sell them if you get in, in financial, you know, um, in ruin or anything like that. So yeah. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. I think you're looking out for yourself a little bit there. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, she, she, it did not end well for her. And Arthur had kind of a lack of expression when he, when he he found her. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. How do you explain that? How, how does someone young like that just up and die? She wasn't sick. Nobody's, I mean, I know that they felt like, oh, well, whatever happened to her had probably something to do with the trunk and he felt it was cursed. I guess he had explained he had developed, you know, kind of a suspicious nature, you know, as the years went on, which good for him. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, kind of, kind of doomed everyone, uh, by, by throwing that in the, in the lake. But it's like, did he just not even question what happened? Like you just find someone with that face, that death <laughs> face, my God, you know, yeah. uh, that point, I guess that. it's cause they even say, you know, he's not a superstitious guy, but I guess when faced with that, you're like, that that's the only solution is this cursed trunk. And she went and opened it against, you know, so, I mean, I think he had it, you had to piece it together. It's like, oh, it's Viola, you know, in some capacity, because that was exactly the one thing she never wanted to happen, and you did it. So, yeah, it wasn't hard <laughs> to figure out. She, the, the keys were there. Um, mm-hmm. the, the trunk was open, and yeah, went against. You know, yeah, he may not be so far as to say, oh well, yeah, my my dead wife killed my new wife. You know, <laughs> in, in a supernatural kind of way. Um, but yeah, he, he felt it was kind of cursed. Um, for sure. So Viola thinking, you know, well, now things are going to, you know, get back to normal, you know, time's going to pass where her daughter's, you know, she's, she's protected her daughter's things, you know, her daughter's going to get her stuff, but it doesn't turn out that way. No. Instead they end up tossing, which it all just kind of fits nicely. In the story, they they toss the the trunk into into the lake. I'm sure no one has any idea what the hell is in that lake at all. I mean, those dresses um, and the the like the gowns and stuff and all of that fabric is worth nothing after sitting in the lake for all those years. But I bet those yeah. jewels are still yeah. intact. Um, there's a little bit of a probably a fortune down there mm-hmm. in that lake. They need to drain that lake. <laughs> <laughs> drain the lake take the contents from the trunk and then fill fill the hole yeah (laughs) i wonder if she can climb out of a dirt hole and like she does the lake Uh uh-huh probably i don't know (laughs) probably she doesn't look like much is going to stop her at Mm -hmm. all but it was kind of sad yeah kind kind of sad to when because she looked so hopeful she looked so happy and so hopeful when she thought it was going to be isabel open that trunk and it ended up being her sister and that look of betrayal and that hurt and then thinking that okay well now everything's going to be fine you know things are she's she's going to still get to see her daughter one day and then that doesn't happen and mm-hmm. so then she's you know at the bottom of this lake yeah and then that becomes that new mission at over time is after she realizes nothing's happening well now i've got to yep sleep wake walk look for my daughter mm-hmm make it my mission to to find her again and because that's what she did when she was alive and sick is she had that that you know path that she would walk every night yeah uh you know to that room that forbidden wing now as we know it and 
to that bedroom just so she could see her daughter sleeping. Yeah. It was, it was fun how they kind of tied that all together. And, and when, even before she had died, when she was um, still alive and before she had gotten really sick, uh, they, they would say, you know, she, she'd sleep and she'd wake and then she'd walk. And I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, even though, you know, it's already her. It was just yeah. like, Oh, it was a fun little, fun little tie in. Yeah. Um, and then to see how that repeated uh, in, in her death and because she would forget what happened and when she would forget, she would wake Yeah. and then she'd go back to the house and look for her family again. And some of the things that happened when she had forgotten long enough and, but, and she forgot what she was looking for, but she, or who she was looking for, but she knew she was looking for a child. Yeah, man. That was a rough, but I was kind of like, had my hand over my mouth going, Oh, can I keep watching this? Was like, <laughs> that was, that was that really was, sad. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. that's, that's the ghost boy that's been playing with Flora's dollhouse. Yeah. And yeah. that's what happened to him is she knew I'm, I'm looking for a child. There's, there's a child here. So I guess this is what I was looking for. And she just takes him back into the lake with her. And I didn't last week. I remember you mentioned the small skeleton mm-hmm. on the bottom next to Peter. Oh, and I wanted to say like, Oh, well there's the little ghost boy. But like last week was already so dark and sensitive. I was like, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that one. But turns out that kind of was the case. It seems. I think, I think so. I think it's that little boy that she took mm-hmm. with her. So we've, yeah, lots of interesting. So we not only get the origin of the lady of the lake and the ghost in the attic, but we meet the plague doctor. Yeah. Find out how he got there. And so her, her will was so strong. They said she, that they, she created her own gravity, you know, that she refused not only when she was alive, she refused to die. Now, of course, she was murdered. She didn't take her own life, and she didn't go because she was sick. It was forced on her. Um, but the, also, while she was dead, she refused to cross over. Yeah. Like, she was like, no, staying right here. And because <laughs> of that, every like everything that died on the property stayed there as well. Like, it's like she almost like she's a black hole or something and everything is just drawn to her like her own gravity her own planet and everything revolves around her yeah that's Um, what the storyteller referred to it as was like this gravity that she mm -hmm. she had to where even you know they had another vicar come in and try to exercise her ghost from the house and she just ended up (laughs) killing him and leaving him there too good luck i don't know that i've (laughs) seen the vicar have we? Yeah, I don't think so. That yeah, I mean, maybe like one of those just like shadow ones that we see that we don't really right. get to see clearly. Yeah, because like they guess, fuzz them out a lot and they keep them in shadow sometimes. Yeah, yeah, because like the first one like when she kills the plague doctor, there's also like a a girl in a white dress that's sick, quarantined in that room, and I wonder if that's like the the girl in the white dress we've seen in places. Maybe because so we meet the plague doctor, mm-hmm. uh, we get the vicar, which I don't think we've really identified him yet unless he's just been in the shadows and we just didn't, couldn't make him out. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet, um, Perdita, who's the ghost in the attic. We meet yeah. ghost boy and how, you know, what happened to him, which was, geez, which he was also like dark doll ghost in the earlier episodes that we weren't sure what that was. It's one and the same with him. Right. Right. Cause he's got that little mask on. Mm-hmm. 
didn't meet soldier guy or anything yeah. like that but i'm wondering if that she was, was like for a, a long time so there's she could have racked up a lot more ghosts yeah, yeah because that was a quarantine zone and they were showing a bunch of sick people mm-hmm. you know some of those people had to die right yeah i mean so the and and it, they made it be known that it wasn't just people that she killed like she killed the ghost doctor she killed the vicar she killed the little boy um but you know well and she killed peter yeah so but it wasn't just them it was anybody that they said died on the property because then it shows rebecca mm-hmm. rebecca crying over her body and that um, when she drowned in the lake when peter drowned her when hannah yeah. uh, died at the bottom of the well um you know she didn't have anything to do with those but they are also bound yeah. by her um gravity as well so yeah there i'm sure there's a lot more that we haven't seen or or whatever but it was i don't know like i said interesting feelings um about whether or not it was necessary i guess to get this and and i know i sound a little bit um probably hypocritical because i know i i was i've been asking quite often like who is this lady of the lake uh what's her story and will we find out and why does she seem to be so vengeful i asked for this yeah i <laughs> i realized that i'm not blind to that i always think about that i was like because i was like i don't know how i feel about this do we really need this story and then i'm like well you asked for it though mm-hmm. you ding dong <laughs> you know you've been asking for weeks you know who's i just don't know that i i wanted a complete standalone episode i felt maybe some like the episode was a little bit too long in places or would it have been maybe better served to be sprinkled throughout yeah the season a little bit if they if if we had gotten pieces of the story um maybe that would have because i i don't know felt in some places it was too long i i was fine with some of it but i didn't get really really excited until almost the last 10 minutes of when, when everything starts to the haunting together yeah 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 when she's you know when she's walking that path and and then we're getting the you know she she sleeps you know she wakes she walks that part got a little bit repetitive i feel like they were i think maybe trying to drive it home that that's how monotonous it is it, yeah. and so they kept repeating oh, yeah. it over and over like 20 times the first time where she wakes up in that room and she's doing that I, I i wish i could have gone back and like taken the exact time there had to have been like four or five minutes of just complete silence mm-hmm. it was just her doing those actions with no and then the storyteller kind of came in with and she slept and she woke and she walked and she slept and she woke and she walked to, yeah, like that monotony of it. And like you said, it might've been on purpose for that reason to really bring you into her mindset a little bit, if you could. Right. Well, this essentially, I guess this hell that she's mm-hmm. in, that it's this constant repetitive hell. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of sounds like hell to me Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's the repetitive nature of time. And I think that's kind of what is kind of scary um, in this episode. Take out the jump scares and stuff. This That's scary to me. This is this episode, this this whole part, this ending part of, you know, where she's haunting and she's, you know, sleeping, wa- uh, waking and then walking. That's my lockdown energy. 
I feel like that's because <laughs> yeah. I feel like I wake, I walk and I sleep and then, you know, I sleep and I wake and I walk. <laughs> that is my life during the lockdown. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it's, it sucks and it's repetitive and it's, you know, the whole world is continuing on without you. And that's what's kind of happening to Viola in the story. You know, the whole world just goes on, but she's locked in this, you know, constant repetitive pattern. And yeah. that's kind of scary to me. Mm-hmm. Got a yeah. couple of other things that I really noticed in the episode that okay. I thought were interesting. When uh, Viola gives birth to Isabel and is holding her as a baby right after. And she gives her kind of this little speech and there's these words she says that are like hauntingly like kind of forewarning forewarning of her actions in this episode, but then even past that. And I wonder where did like Rebecca and Peter end up getting on this same wavelength? Hmm. Because she says to the baby, she says, Bly belongs to you and they will try to take it from you as they did me, but I will not let them. It is you it is me. It is us. Yes. Thank you for, for mentioning mm-hmm. that. Good, good, good call back. So I was like, is yeah. it just coincidence that that's the words that Peter ends up using or like, where does that tie in? <laughs> it is interesting. Cause where, where did he get that? He didn't say mm-hmm. that to Rebecca until after his death. Yeah. When he was, you know, trying to, you know, trying to convince her you know, to let him take her over, like possess her. Yeah. And is it, is it because he was killed by Viola is maybe part of her energy now in him that he somehow just knows that? I don't know. Hmm. That, interesting. that is interesting. That is interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I remember hearing that too and going, Ooh, yeah. How did, how did he get that? You know, how did he hear that? Or was it just a tie-in maybe? Um, I don't know. I mean, it was an interesting episode. I, you know, uh, I, uh, and I don't know. To leave us with this super high tense episode seven and then go to this slower pace kind of episode, it just, yeah, you know, was a little bit, took me out just a little bit. Um, and I, and I realized that maybe it would have been better to maybe not know the history um, again, knowing that I've, a- I've been asking for it <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I don't know what's good for me. So <laughs> I'm glad, you know, I it's, it. <laughs> it's personally, like... I think I'm totally cool with it. I, I'm glad that I got this backstory because it's, yeah, even I if think... it really doesn't mean that much for the end game of the whole season, like, I still think it's a really incredibly like interesting story. Yeah. Like I said, I do find parts of it interesting. It was, it, it, it was an interesting story. Uh, I think it was a little long. Um, I wish it maybe had been sprinkled throughout the season instead of just, you know, throwing out these two characters that we don't, we've never met before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we met the lady in the lake. We've yeah. met the ghost, <laughs> at, but we didn't know who they were. We didn't yeah. know who they were supposed to be or anything like that. So when we meet these two sisters, you know, it was just like, oh, who are you guys and what's going on here? Um, and then to kind of leave, you know, what had just happened in episode seven on that cliffhanger and then to throw us into this episode. Um, maybe if it had been moved up in the season a little bit, I don't know. Um, a little bit up the line a little, I don't know. Um, yeah. The there's only a reason, reason I, I don't think, do this stuff yeah, for a living. <laughs> I would think maybe just, you know, putting it 
right here after we see what happens to Danny is, and I don't know. I still don't know. I won't find out until I watch the finale, probably tonight. Probably um, tonight for me too. Definitely mm-hmm. tonight. I think, uh, but I think it might be a way of them like really just like putting that nail in that coffin of like, no, Danny's done. Like she's not getting out of this because we've seen yeah. what she, what Viola is capable of and what her mission or, you know, mindlessly is. I I agree. I think that this was definitely to let us know that Danny's a goner. Yeah. She's, we, we've seen how this is repeated over the years and doesn't seem like there's anything that, that gets, gets to her or distracts her. Um, she doesn't even kind of, I don't know at this point knows that she's doing it. Yeah. You, you literally just have to kind of be standing in her path because that's what they, they kind of say is like, well, they were unfortunate enough to be standing in her path. Yep. You know, she doesn't even realize that she's doing it. And that's how, you know, um, Flora and Miles are warned by ghost boy. <laughs> that's the only thing we can call him to have a name or really any other way to describe him. But I think, you know, all of these ghosts and these people who have been in her path in the past now have been watching her this whole time and picked up on this pattern. And so that's their way. Now they warn the living people in the house now, like, just just don't get in her way and you should be okay. Yeah. Just stay out of that path. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting, like, again, um, Flora and Miles have managed to stay out of her way. What about their parents? I mean, how in the world did anyone ever? Yeah, <sighs> I had another question about that, too, because I was wondering about, like, what is the reason that that room is the forbidden room, the forbidden wing now? Is it because that's where their parents slept and because they died just for some reason they didn't want their kids going in? to their parents' old room? Mm-hmm. Or is it because there was some kind of incident, something happened with the ghost of Viola in that room and it caused them to shut that room down? Yeah. Gosh, you know, and I had this horrible thing that like, it's going to end and like, everybody's just going to be like, everyone that we know is just going to be dead in my mm-hmm. manner. Like everyone's just dead. We just don't, don't know it yet. I mean, there's that Shakespearean tragedy quality again. That's the route they could take with it. Well, and I, I can't stop thinking about how in the credits, you know, when they're showing um, all the cast and they're yeah. like in the in their in their portraits and their faces go blank, kind of like mm-hmm. Viola's and Perdita's and, you know, everyone's face after, because they've been long forgotten. They forget, get they forget who they are and people forget them as time goes by. And yeah. so kind of scary. I don't know. I don't want it to be that way. No. <laughs> I don't want Owen to be dead. It'd just be a very bleak, depressing ending to the season. <laughs> just like, oh, it that's would. okay. It would. Gosh. This was quite an episode. Um, got a lot of information, but, you know, there we are. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else that you want to say about that? Uh, just one more little note that I had that's not really with the story, but I just thought there was a really cool visual effect mm-hmm. of... Um, after Perdita had killed Viola and she's uh, walking past the portrait. She has put her own portrait up next to her sisters mm-hmm. and she's walking, you know, down the stairs. And as she goes by the portrait, Viola's portrait is all dead and decayed and creepy looking. And she kind of sees it like out of the corner of her eye. So she stops. And then whenever she like looks back up at it, it's normal again. And yeah, I was wondering like how they did because like I was watching it on my like second watch, like really watching that photo, 
and you can see it like sort of like the arms sort of start to change. And so then just like kind of the production nerd in me was just like, was that all practical? Like, I wonder if they had somebody who was able to like switch some stuff out and like they had, you know, certain lighting, like, like a, you know, uh, acetate like kind of thing that they could just like remove and change the way it looked. You know, mm. <laughs> Then that part of me was like, ah, kind of like that episode in Hill House, which I won't go too much into because I know hopefully most people have seen it by now. But, um, you know, the episode that has like all the just like the single, you know, long shots and stuff like and then talking to some of the cast and finding out how that was done and then looking at articles and stuff. It was one of those little things was like, I really want to know how they did some of the stuff on this episode, like those shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the filmmaking is pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. They do some great things. Mike Flanagan uh, knows the stuff. Sweet. Um, if you don't have any more notes, um, we'll talk a little bit about news and ghosts um not a whole lot of news but since this was a a kind of a special episode there was um a piece that i took from an interview with mike flanagan about this episode and i guess i didn't know this but he had um he says in this interview that he had always intended to film an episode in hill house um that flashed back to the history of uh the the house that the crane family was in Hmm. And he said it didn't work out. He says we didn't get to do it. Uh, we'd written it. We cast it. We scheduled it. It got excised before we could shoot it as we struggled to try to get the season done on time and on budget. That was a thing that we sacrificed on the altar of good behavior. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know. How do you feel if they'd had an episode similar to this for Hill House? I don't know. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, if it would have come at the expense of like cutting out other stuff that was also in there to keep it the same amount of episodes, then I don't know if I, I think I'm perfectly happy with the way it was. Yep. Me too. But also Uh like, it would have been interesting. I do like the really interesting standalone story to like learn about the history and why something's haunted and piece that stuff together. Mm hmm. Yeah. And did you recognize, I didn't recognize her at first because it's been two years since I've seen Hill House. I haven't done a rewatch of it yet. Um, but uh, per- Perdita was played, uh, She or the actress, sorry, played Poppy Hill in Hill House. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that because she was kind of a very small part. Yeah, very small part, different hair. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing was, but yeah, that was her. She was Poppy Hill in Haunting of Hill House. So nice little tie in. Yeah. Um, And then Kate Kate Siegel, um, who played Viola, um, there was an interview with her as well. And I took a little piece from it because I thought it was interesting to kind of get her perspective of where she thought her character was. So they asked her, they said, in your mind, what is the emotion that's powerful enough to sustain that gravity well? It seems like the combination of rage and grief over being um, usurped and losing her daughter. She says, I think it's so interesting that you, you describe it as rage and these angry emotions when I always thought of it as she just wants to spend one more night in bed sleeping with her daughter. Right from the very beginning, they carry her into the guest room and she says, I want to be in our bed, Arthur. I don't want to be away from it. 
and that's the path she takes. She walks up to the bed because she wants to spend one more night sleeping next to her child. For me, that is so easily accessible because I started to put my kids to bed, and I complained to all my mom friends about how hard it is to get a toddler to sleep, but I will sneak back in there and smell his head, lay in bed with him, and hold him with his little sleepy face and lashes casting shadows on his cheek. And so for me, that's what creates the well. It's the love, hmm. not the hate. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of a different perspective um, and what she feels for that character and her motivations. And I like that. I was like, well, I could buy that. We we, we keep calling her angry and vengeful and stuff, but um, for for her or how she takes it, um, what created that was, was love, mm-hmm. not hate. So... Well, just we're gonna put a little positive spin on there. Yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna leave it there. Um, so, interestingly enough, this episode there were no hidden ghosts mm-hmm. because we were meeting all of the <laughs> not all of them. We got the reason why the hidden ghosts exist in the other episodes. Right. Yeah. We got the origin of the hidden ghosts. So there were no hidden ghosts here, but for the ones that we saw, uh, we'll just mention uh, some of those. Give some. Uh, shout outs to them. So you mentioned um, at the 30 minute mark uh, where Viola's face changes in the painting. It's not, not ghostly, but it was creepy. So thought it was worth mentioning and it was really cool how they, they did that. Um, And in the 48 minutes and 53 seconds, the plague doctor makes his first appearance as a ghost. Yeah. So we we did, we did get that. And then the 49 a uh, minute, 45 seconds, uh, the Vickers first appearance as a ghost. Again, I don't know. I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, I don't remember seeing the yeah. Vicar um, unless they just had his like, uh, you know, cause he's in black. So I don't know, maybe there were we a don't see of, his like, face and hidden ghost moments where it's just like a shadow figure standing in front of a mirror, like a uh, window or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but interesting. So yeah, no hidden ghosts. So we're, we have zero going into this one. So, all right. Um, so well, that takes us to our listener feedback. I'm really curious to see what our listeners thought about this yeah. one. Um, Cause I think they're, they're going to have some things to say. <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and take this first one. It's from our friend, Lindsay Schlicht. She says, at first I thought this was going to be another blah episode for me. Black and white flashbacks with narration and little dialogue don't usually work for entire episodes. In my opinion, However, I ended up getting immersed enough in the story that I forgot those annoyances and it ended up loving the episode. I thought the explanations about how the lady in the lake was made and the reason ghosts were formed at Bly because they were held there by her stubborn orbit was beautifully done and a really interesting explanation. I'm so bummed it's almost over and I hope the finale can tie everything up just as well as this episode started too. Cool. Glad you liked it, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Kathy Sharp says, you probably already know this, but this episode is based on another Henry James story. I applaud the father's decision at the end. I wish Perdita could have gotten out from underneath her sister's shadow. It's just a story, but so much truth about human relationships. Indeed. Okay. Uh, we got a couple of emails as well. Um, the first one that we have is from our good friend Daphne and Paik's other co-host. Um, she says, hi, Rima and Paik. This was the episode I was looking forward to, a.k.a. the one that would give the deep dive into the Lady of the Lake. It did not disappoint and it answered so many questions. 
Viola was bright and calculating, but she was also incredibly stubborn. I mean, she willed herself alive beyond the expected life capacity of someone with her lung illness. She may not have married Arthur for love at the start, but she did grow to care for him. Some of her mannerisms and habits were almost demonic, proven even more so when, when, as a ghost, she retreated to the trunk to wait for Isabel to open it. I still wonder what her plan was at that point. What was she going to do when Isabel opened the trunk? Still, I felt sad for her. I think I appreciated most that they explained why ghosts at Blind Manor lose their faces over time. They forget who they are and thus forget themselves. I don't want this fate for Rebecca or Hannah. As for Quint, that's another story. (laughs) Though I can't believe the finale is next, I'm ready to unwrap the final pieces of the Blind Manor puzzle and see the full, completed picture. As always, thanks for breaking it down each week. You've helped me digest some of the more difficult storylines as well as bringing attention to things I missed. Awesome. Thanks, Daphne. Awesome. All right. This next email comes from Haley. And they say, hey, I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning, but this is my first time writing in. I have been enjoying the series so far, not as much as Hill House, but still loving it. This episode was a game changer for me, though, and was actually my favorite episode of both series. It was like a mini movie, but still connecting Bly Manor and all the ghosts we've seen in the season this far. The relationship between the two sisters was extremely interesting and something I can't wait to hear your feedback about. Which sister do you think was at fault? Both? Neither? I can see both sides of their stories, and I think that at first Viola was being way too controlling of her sister, but felt bad for her once she got sick and was unable, was unable to spend time with her daughter. At the same time, I felt so bad for Perdita watching her sister marry and give birth and then just having to watch her live... Yeah, watch her live her life while she seemingly had nothing. Then having to care for her sick sister while being treated badly was hard to watch too. I think killing her sister was a turning point, but still I'm not convinced that she was evil. The whole thing was amazing storytelling. Last thing I'll say is how devastating it was to see Viola sleeping, waking, and walking until she no longer remembered why she was doing it. Thanks again for doing this podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this brilliant episode. Haley. Awesome. Thank you, Haley. Thanks for writing in. I love when people are like, hey, it's the first time I wrote in. Yeah. It's fun. Okay, we did get another email. We were full of emails this week. (laughs) Um, This is awesome. I love it. I love seeing my inbox full. So you guys just keep bringing it. Um, This next one is from Allie. She says, hey, Rima and Paik. Wow. Longtime listener, first time emailer. A little backstory before I get into the show or episode. Bear with me. She says, so I actually found your podcast in the midst of my Stranger Things craze following season two. I looked for a podcast about the show and found Strange Indeed. Well, when I changed phones and subsequently podcast apps, I somehow forgot to resubscribe to yours. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We're glad you found us again. (laughs) That's funny. I've had that happen, by the way. Like, oh, my gosh, what podcasts did I have? Um (laughs) That's funny. She goes on. Fast forward. I ended up watching the series out of order. Bly Manor first, then Hill House. Now, one thing to know about me, I'm a total wuss. I took one look at the trailer for Hill House, and it was not only a no, but a hell no. However, everyone at work kept recommending Bly Manor. I had up to this point refused to watch The Haunting of Hill House, but I caved and ended up watching Bly Manor in a single day. I fell in love with it so hard, I decided to woman up and watch Hill House and loved that as well. So much so that I went looking for a podcast with which I could continue to indulge my love of the show. And guess who I found? You guys. (laughs) I think I was maybe two minutes into your first Hill House episode when I was like, hey, I know these voices. And the rest, as they say, is history. So now that that's done, and speaking of history, see what I did there. 
Episode eight is by far my favorite episode of Bly Manor. Not only do I love seeing the backstory and how it was filmed, but we also get Kate Siegel, who I love and worship and absolutely squealed in delight at seeing her in Hill House. Anyway, this email is too long, so I'll just end things there. I can't wait to hear what y'all say about this episode. Now that I'm caught up on the podcast, I'll rewatch the series, the rest of the series with you guys. Much love, Allie. Oh, that's, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Allie, that is so sweet. Thank you. That that really means a lot. I'm so glad that you found us again. And thank you for being a longtime listener. That really means a lot. Um, that That gets me in the feels, man. Appreciate you yeah. um, writing in and letting us know that you're back. I have to wonder. I'm like, how, what kind of a shock was it, though? She did Hill House first. And he comes back to here. It's like, oh, that's not Sean. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, if you're a long-time listener, you're like, wait a minute. That guy sounds a little different. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. We are glad you're here, Pake. Yeah. I'm having um, a blast. Oh, and I, I'm having a blast with you, man. Those were great emails. Um, thank you guys for that feedback. We also, of course, wouldn't have a traditional week here at Strange Indeed if we didn't have a couple of voice messages as well. So the first one that we have is from our good friend, Greg. Well, fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. Not everybody. Fuck. I can't imagine anybody getting out of this life. I literally... Everybody is just going to be dead and having a big old Bly Manor house party for the next 2,000 years, uh, all revolving around Viola's uh, gravity or gravitational force field. That shit was crazy. Really, really well done episode. Scary as shit, especially when uh, Purdy got her just desserts. Um, but, like, ugh. Viola was a bitch in life and. She is going to remain a bitch in death. That's my 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 prediction for the finale. Everybody's gonna die. Although it, it is kind of cool that you saw all of the uh, the like kind of uh, non malignant ghosts. He's like, oh man, these are just all the like the plague doctor and the military. Well, I don't know about the military guy, but I mean, just all these people just happen to fall into her path. And that little, little boy is just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Oh, I'll just carry you into the bottom of the lake. Oh, great. And you're done. All right, well, now that I've left this, I can watch the finale. And just like last week, yay. All right, look forward to hearing y'all's coverage. See you guys later. Bye. Everyone's so joyful, like, okay, I love my feedback. Bye, I'm gonna go watch the finale. Uh, no. watch the next I've episode. done my due diligence. I'm watching it now. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. I think Thank I'm doing you, the same Greg. thing tonight, so I don't blame you yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, you know, it's been the last several weeks have been pretty difficult if I've been able to, uh, you know, even if I'm staying up way too late and hating myself the next morning for work, um, staying up way too late watching it, I'm doing the same. <laughs> thanks greg that was awesome as always yeah. to hear from you and hearing your thoughts um we also have another voice message from our good friend steve yay steve oh that is totally unfair mike flanagan <laughs> hey Pake and remit steve i just finished watching um i'm not even gonna try to the, the romance of old clothing whatever it is uh one time and i'm gonna watch it again for sure so i may may not send this in quite quite uh right now but i'm gonna that is not fair to end 
right where the previous episode ended that had us all champing at the bit to go on to the next episode. And now I have to wait until I finish this voicemail, <laughs> which I've only actually done once before. When I finish my voicemail, watch the uh, the next episode, really. So it's not I don't do it as cavalier as uh, as it may seem from my voicemails. But uh, this was really good. This answered a lot of more answers to a lot of questions for us. I appreciate um, Rima, your position last week, because you're right. We are missing part of the story of not knowing Rebecca's backstory, why Peter was able to uh, draw her in. And I think, you know, like I said, I appreciate that perspective because as a man, I probably would not have even thought about that. Not that, that so it, it was, it was really good that you brought that up uh, last week. And um, maybe we will get something in the last episode, but I'm, I'm not sure. I guess we'll see. But uh, yeah, uh, just another good episode. And I'm uh, like I said, I'm going to watch it again. I may watch it again before I send this out. Okay, I'm watching it for the second time now, but uh, I'm just going to send this in because I, it, it, there's so much disturbing about this episode. It's tough because I'm definitely, when I finish this watch of it, I'm going to the next one. Sorry, guys. I got to see how they wrap this whole thing up. Uh, all right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Poor Steve was just like out of thoughts. He's like, I just got I'm, I've got things, and we got to watch the next one. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for seeing my side there too, man. Appreciate you having my back. Um, yeah, that was great. Gosh, so now we're behind because now we got to watch the next episode. I know. It. <laughs> it was hilarious. You know, I I love you guys. You don't have to apologize. I I would totally be doing the same thing. No apologies necessary. Of course, you guys should be watching as you please. But we're always thrilled to know that you guys you know do kind of stick to a week by week um, schedule most of the time. It's awesome. Oh yeah. All right. So that was awesome feedback. Thank you again, everyone really great response to the feedback that you guys, you know, we know um, so many folks tend to just move on and you guys have stuck with us week by week. You're still giving us great feedback week by week. It hasn't really slacked off at all. And so I, I love it. I love seeing the voice messages in my inbox and the emails and all the feedback on Facebook. So one more week, guys, bring it home for me and and let's really finish this one strong. So keep yeah. keep it coming. Keep it coming. We, we love it. Um, and with that being said, next week. Uh, it's time. We're on a final stretch. It's, that's it. It's episode <sighs> nine, guys. Uh, it, the, the title of this one is called The Beast in the Jungle. I don't know what to I, pick from that at all, but I'm scared. I, I, don't, I don't have a clue. And I'm okay with that. I don't want to go look it up. I don't need to know the origin yet. We'll look that up next week after we've watched it. But yeah, we're here. We... You know, it was only nine or it's only nine episodes and but it's it's felt like a kind of a long road. I mean, in some ways um, short and other ways like, wow, um, can't believe we're here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have predictions. Do you have any predictions? Do you want to throw anything out there before we watch the finale? Uh, man. Like, well, how do you, like how you think said, it's going to end up? Yeah. Like I said earlier, I think. At this point, this whole this episode we just talked about, I think, really hammers it in that like Danny's not going to make it out of this alive. I agree. I and don't I like think, it. I think you know we will finally wrap up the story. We'll go back to you know 
more modern day with the storyteller, older storyteller going back and wrapping up her story and what she knows. And I do think Jamie, if Jamie, you know, whether or not Jamie is the storyteller, I think Jamie's going to end up being a bigger part of this story. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see more importance of her. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting, even if not everybody dies, I'm still expecting to cry during this finale and be really depressed about un, un, plenty of characters. <laughs> yep, me too. Because yeah, Danny, I don't think there's any hope for her. I think Miles is probably gone. I think maybe mm. the best hope is seeing something good happen for Jamie and or Flora. And I, that might be it. And so it's going to be sad. I th- I feel like it's not going to be a happy ending. No. And, and Mike Flanagan has this thing that he can do where he can tell you a scary story, but make you cry while he's telling it uh-huh. and not, and not cry from fright, you know, cry yep. just from, you know, being emotional and, and sad, just like Hill House. Cause I, I remember watching Hill House and I would talk about it on the podcast, like, you know, one minute I'm about to leap out of my bed, scared, scared shitless. And then the next I'm like crying yeah. in, in like the same episode. I'm like, what's happening here? What is happening here? This is supposed to be a scary movie, but, um, or show. And, uh, and, and yeah, Blind Manor has, has done the same. I've cried often. So I don't know, guys, we're almost there. Stick with us. Um, well, we are excited for you to follow us to Bly Manor, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. And you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com, and you can find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com, and go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. It would be really grand. Go out and leave a nice positive review. Be perfectly um, splendid. <laughs> it would be perfectly splendid. You would think <laughs> I am watching Bly Manor. I am watching Bake Off and I'm watching The Crown. <laughs> and if I haven't developed a freaking accent by now, I don't know what. Um, and if I do, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm I'm like totally immersed in like British culture right yeah. now. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, speaking of podcasts, you know, Jason and I are podcasting on you know Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off, depending on where you are in the world. And this mm-hmm. last week. Um, I had the honor of having a, a really good friend of ours, um, Derek, on the show, who um, is from Ireland. So he's got a great perspective of, you know, some some of the things. And he's been watching the show since it, since it started. And that was really fun. And then, of course, um, other shows on Podcastica, you can catch Jason, Rich, and Chris talking about The Mandalorian Season 2, which is fantastic. Was that yeah. not a great episode? Didn't you love that last episode? I, I love every episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I even <laughs> act like I'm surprised that it's a good episode. This yeah. one was certainly awesome and fun. Um, and then, yeah, they're continuing their coverage with Fear of the Walking Dead and Walking Dead World Beyond on Walking Dead Cast, so be sure to check them out. And because we have so many great podcasts to talk about, um, Paik, I would love to hear more. Um, and please tell our listeners more about the podcast you have called Run For Your Lives that you cover with Daphne um, yes. on runforyourlivespodcast.com. What have you guys got going on? So, yeah, so we had our Thanksgiving episode come out kind of a week early because we put stuff out on the weekend. So when it comes mm-hmm. out, it'll be after Thanksgiving. Nice. It would have it would have been. Yeah. So um, it was that's why we did it a week earlier is <laughs> so you get it before Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving yeah. is out. And so that was if you haven't listened to that one, 
even if you don't watch the movie and that's totally understandable if you don't go check out at least the podcast i think we had a really fun time just oh yeah it's funny just to listen yeah yeah but then the next one that we do have coming out this next weekend is kind of an older movie i think 2004 if i remember off the top of my head but the day after tomorrow with dennis quaid and jake gyllenhaal and yeah yes that's a really fun one it is a fun one oh that's exciting can't wait for that yes sweet yeah while you're um eating your thanksgiving turkey you can be listening to the thanksgiving episode (laughs) 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 just not with the rest of the family Um, right there's enough uh explicit material in that episode that uh, right maybe don't play it over the speaker with with your headphones in (laughs) yeah make sure you get your beds in it is not safe for children yeah say that that's okay neither is this one that's okay yeah I remember, yeah, I won't go into that, but um, yeah, I've heard stories like, thanks, Rima, for cursing. I had this playing over the speaker and my daughter was hearing <laughs> you throw F-bombs. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Pete. And Haley is strange indeed.